Hi, this is Pastor Robert Blanchard from Lansing First United Methodist Church here in Lansing, Michigan. I just want to take a moment to thank you for checking out our sermon podcast. And if you want to learn more about what we do here at Lansing First, or you want to support us in our mission of going deep, reaching out, and loving Lansing, you can do so online at lansingfirst.org. Thanks. third scripture lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to Luke chapter 1 verses 39 through 55. In those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting the child leaped in her womb And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation He has shown the strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Author of life, we thank you for your word. And we ask that your spirit would be with us this morning to transform us in heart and mind and soul. Amen. So in just a little bit, Bill and Jason are going to perform for us the song, Mary, Did You Know? And I feel like I need to preface this sermon by saying that I had this sermon in mind weeks before I knew what they would be performing this morning. Otherwise, it might feel like I'm trying to pick on them. Because what we just heard from the scriptures was that Mary did know and what exactly it was that she knew. So my plan since at least the beginning of Advent has been to address this question. And like I said, I'm not trying to pick on anyone for their song selections. In fact, I think it's a fair impulse that drives the theme of the song, Mary, Did You Know? At the heart of that song is a sense of wonder about the Holy Family, a desire to better know the relationship between mother and child. This desire 
To better understand the Holy Family is indeed something that has driven theologians, scholars, and preachers throughout the ages to try and better know the context in which Mary and Joseph lived, to try and figure out what the circumstances of their lives outside the very narrow view of Scripture were, and to try and understand them both as people favored by God and as ordinary people just like ourselves. But there is no question that Mary did, in fact, know that her baby boy would save our sons and daughters. There's no question that Mary knew that her baby boy is the Lord of all creation who will one day rule the nations. Not only did we hear Mary's song of praise, which is called the Magnificat, this morning, but we also heard Elizabeth acknowledge the greatness of Mary's child when she too was filled with the Holy Spirit to proclaim, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And on Friday at our Christmas Eve service, we'll hear that before any of what we read today, the angel Gabriel had visited Mary, explained to her that she would be with child as a gift of the Holy Spirit and that her son would be called the Son of the Most High to reign over the house of Jacob forever. I'm not trying to belabor the point, but for those of us here who are familiar with the scriptures, we know that Mary knew. On the other hand, though, this does mean that Mary, did you know, can be a good introduction to the scriptures to people who might be unfamiliar with them. It asks a question that might prompt someone who isn't familiar with the story to want to find the answer. Or for young Christians still learning the story of our faith, it could be a good learning tool for how we go about the process of seeking scriptural answers for the questions that we might have. But I believe that most of us, if not all of us here, are pretty familiar with the scriptures and Many within the church are as well. So that means that this time, every year, around the end of November, the beginning of December, the online discourse starts up about this song. And maybe it's different if you uh, have a lot of friends who are clergy or seminarians. Perhaps you all are spared the repeated arguments about this song each year. But to be fair to those who rally against this song, I understand some of their frustrations. It can come across a little bit like mansplaining. You've got two middle-aged white men writing a song to ask Mary if she really understands how special her child is, when the answer is clearly on the page. And for women in the church, especially female clergy who are constantly having to defend the legitimacy of their own callings, I get how this questioning of a woman's experience of her own life can be grating. So acknowledging the value of both the song and its detractors, I want to try and move us past all of that to try and ask better, more challenging questions. Did Mary know? Yes, that's open and shut, case closed. But what specifically does it mean for Mary to have known who her child would be? And what does that mean for us? First, 
Mary's knowledge is personal. She begins by giving thanks to God in whom her soul rejoices. Specifically, she gives thanks by saying, For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She knows that God loves her, and she responds with love. This is one of the pillars of what John Wesley defines as true religion. In Wesley's evaluation, the first mark of true religion is gratitude to our Creator. Clearly, Mary embodies this virtue. She gives thanks to God who has chosen her, not because she's great, not because she's special, not for any reason other than than that God looked upon her as God's beloved. If Mary, the Theotokos, the God-bearer, the mother of God, can have humble gratitude for what God has given her, then we should all hope to be so humbly grateful as well. Which raises a slight tangent. I don't know about all of you, but I grew up around the kind of church people for whom any mention of Mary or of the saints reeked too much of Catholicism. Perhaps you've even heard people toss out this idea that our Catholic brothers and sisters go so far as to worship Mary. So let's go ahead and dispel that kind of thinking this morning. Elizabeth tells us that Mary is blessed among women. Mary herself says that from now on all generations will call her blessed. There is a biblical mandate for us to hold Mary in high regard. And how high should that regard be? Well, as I've heard it explained, we honor Mary because God honored her first, and her son honors her for all eternity. Therefore, there's no amount of honor that we can grant Mary that will exceed that given to her by God the Father and her son, Jesus Christ. Second, Mary's knowledge of God is collective. After giving thanks to God for the personal love that she feels, she then recounts the love that God has shown throughout history and acknowledges that God's promises for all people extends into the infinite future as well. And here's where I think asking better questions can lead us to more interesting answers because in the latter part of the Magnificat, Mary tells us exactly the kind of Savior that we can expect. Who is our Messiah? What are the goals of our God? Well, our God is a God who scatters people who think a lot of themselves. He brings down the people who are powerful so that the outcasts and the marginalized might be lifted up. He gives food and comfort to the hungry, and he sends the rich away from him. This is who our God is, and this is what our God is about. Our God provides comfort to the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. He did so from the time of Abraham until the birth of Christ, and he will continue to do so until Christ returns to fulfill the peaceful reign of the kingdom. Our God 
is a God of history. Our God is a God who gets involved in our politics. Our God is a God who not only transforms our hearts and minds, but seeks to transform every aspect of our society to be more just, loving, and equitable. And here, we can be reminded of the other pillar of true religion, according to John Wesley's definition, benevolence to our neighbors. It's not enough for us to have the love of God in our hearts if we don't act on that love. It's not enough for us to claim that God is making all things new if we don't then participate in that redeeming work By affirming this personal and collective nature of our faith, we affirm not just Mary's proclamation, but we affirm the words of Christ himself, who summarized all the law and the prophets by telling us that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind, and the second is like it, to love our neighbors as ourselves. This duality expressed by Mary in the Magnificat, is the entirety of our faith. It is an expression of who God is. God is love. God is justice. We cannot affirm one and deny the other and still claim to worship the God-made flesh in Jesus Christ. We cannot have a God that cares only about personal salvation or a God that cares only about the world in an abstract sense, and still claim to worship the Christ whom Mary carried in her womb. I feel like a lot of my sermons end up boiling down to this same point. But I can think of nothing more fitting to say in my final Sunday with all of you. If there is one thing that you take away from all that I have said in my time with you, I hope that it is this. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Amen. Please pray with me. Lord God, you chose to enter into this world so that we might see firsthand what it means to walk humbly with you. In your Son, Jesus Christ, you showed us what it means to do justice and to love mercy. In your servant Mary, who is blessed among women, you show us how to be grateful for the love that you show to us individually and how to burn with a passion for a world that will be better for our children than it has been for us. Fill us now with your Holy Spirit, so that we too may be your humble servants. Amen.